Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we have part two of my conversation with Mike Carroll, who you most likely know as Fit for Golf. He has a huge Twitter presence. His his app has sold, uh, has tens of thousands of members on it. It's, a, it's an awesome golf fitness app. And uh, I, I've used it before, and I highly recommend it. If you remember from last time, we had part one of our conversation. We talked about self-awareness and how knowing yourself can help you play better golf. And then today, in part two of two, on this episode, we talk about Rory having balance in your life, improving your fitness and its effect on your confidence and your mental game, and a lot more. So I think you'll definitely learn some valuable things from this episode But before we get into this episode, if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. If you like this podcast and the topics that we talk through, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with players. So if you'd like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. All right, let's go ahead and get in this conversation with Mike Carroll of Fit for Golf. We're going to jump right into about halfway through our total conversation where we start talking about Rory. Hope you enjoy. So someone you're um, a big fan of, uh, Rory McIlroy, um, mm-hmm. he, this, this conversation seems to kind of relate to him where you, you need to be kind of ferocious and single-minded and intense and whatever. And golf is maybe different uh, from rugby where it's not, you don't have to literally feel like you have to kill someone in order to win, but Rory, the, the conversation around Rory, and maybe um, I'll just ask you to be kind of an armchair um, psychologist for him just because you follow him so closely. But it seems like he goes, he's going through a struggle of um, trying to be balanced while also trying to be driven. Do you have any thoughts on, um, just as a fan, I, I feel like he needs to be more blank. Does, does that uh, ever come to you i think the first thing like to note with rory is that he gets his performance level is judged so critically compared to other players because Mm -hmm. it seems like he has such high potential like last season was literally rory's best ever season statistically Mm -hmm. um in terms of like strokes game total and how he was actually playing golf i know you end up being judged on how you do on four weeks of the year and it needs to happen at certain times. But like Rory is literally getting better at golf, which is unbelievable. Like people don't don't realize that like he is actually still getting better at golf. Mm. Um, He can't control how good the players coming up are, um, which makes it much harder to win tournaments. Uh, I think the case with Rory, like I, I don't know him at all. I know you know, only the same as every other fan. But it, I think it's just a case of, like, when you've achieved as much as he has, and he's clearly someone who 
has a lot of self-awareness, it must be very difficult to keep forcing yourself to push for more and more and more. Like I'm, I'm not saying that he's not interested in winning more. I'm, I'm certain he is, but it has to be different to when he'd never won a major or he'd never won a PGA tour event. And he didn't have a wife or a kid or a billion dollars in the bank, you know, um, it must just get to a point where that, that drive is, is maybe a little bit less, you know, um, and probably part of that is just what we were talking about. It goes hand in hand is that maturity as you get a little bit older, like a 21 year old Rory, I'm sure is a little bit different to a 33 year old Rory, you know, um, in terms of what he needs to do to try and improve his chances. Like, I honestly don't know. Um, like his win rate outside of majors and like his high finishes are still so good that like I'm hoping it's just like I don't think this is the only part of it. I'm hoping that some of it like is is honestly just a little bit of like the chips not quite falling his way on the weeks when they need to. I'm sure there is some of it that's you know let's say performance or psychology related or whatever. But I, I do think that some of it is probably just it hasn't quite happened for him. Um, but he should have, like at 30, I think he's 33 or 4 now, he should have at least 10 more good years, you know, of golf in him. If he picked up another two majors, like that's six majors, I think that equals like the best European ever, which is you know, pretty impressive in this in this era where I think they're definitely harder to win than they were going back just because the field has almost leveled so much. Um but yeah I think I think that's part and part of it for Rory. It's that like talking about Rory and like his balance and why maybe that affects his ability to be a prolific winner is sort of the one of the reasons when I really don't like when people involved in golf cite Tiger's mental advantage as like his biggest strength and they're like well you know this this is like what what Tiger was like mentally on the golf course I was like I think well maybe you can't have what Tiger has on the golf course and then be a balanced you know well-functioning human off the golf course because clearly he wasn't so it's almost a case of like you know, I don't see how you can use that as a good example unless all you care about is sporting performance. You know, there's probably a reason why we haven't seen many or any, say, athletes that have, or golfers at least, that have had what people might term like the mental strength or, you know, the, let's say, the singular focus and hunger that Tiger had. It was like, well, his life was falling apart around him while he was doing that. It's almost like, yeah, golf, he was obsessed with golf. Are you maybe, maybe you can't be as driven for something as he was while keeping things outside of it, you know, running as people would say is healthy or normal or kind of fits in with society. You know, I, I don't know, like that's, that's not my area of expertise, but that's definitely my opinion on it, you know? Mm. And Rory is, is um, maybe striking that balance while still improving 
from at the very top of the learning curve already, right? His learning curve has just about leveled out, but he is still finding ways to improve and be a balanced person. We hope, right? We don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, but, um, and this, this episode might be released after he has won the U S open, who knows, right? So disregard all of this, right? If he, if he did, but, um, I think, I think your the perspective that you're talking about, um, actually maps really well on to what, uh, we could project onto Rory. It seems like he's matured. He's, he said, uh, or he has, um, now believed, okay, I, what I've accomplished. And he said, so specifically, uh, what I've accomplished is good enough at this point. Anything more is, um, is great, but I could stop right now and it would be good enough. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure part of it too, like, again, I don't know, but I'm sure most of those guys, they, they want to have some sort of balance between how hard they're working at their game and literally are they enjoying life on tour like it's you need to remember like it's it's their workplace it's their job it's i know it's a job that most of us you know assign with something very different to like a desk job or a day job which it is but like if you're doing it for years on end and when you rack up the travel like i'm sure some of it is like am i actually enjoying this like is it is it season to season sustainable Maybe there is ways that if and people also are, aren't, you know, robots. So you probably need to have, or most people at least need to have the balance where it is semi-enjoyable to actually be in a place good enough to keep working at it and actually feel like they can perform. Um, there's definitely examples of athletes having extremely high level performances when they're in very dark places you know off the the playing field or outside the arena but it never lasts like they they always end up you know essentially retiring or changing their mindset and if they change their mindset will they be better the same or worse i don't know like simone biles is a good example there you know like unbelievable success like basically did thing like i'm not a gymnastics expert for but from what i've read and seen people say she did things in gymnastics that were never seen before but at what cost Mm. you know like at at what cost to to her life basically and you see like oftentimes you see in you know maybe endurance sports people are so driven about improving they they end up doping and then they come out afterwards and they're like i was just so hell-bent on improving that I dope, I regret it. And then, you know, they end up, that's just not the way I want life to go, you know? So I guess it's unbelievably impressive if people can have both. They can be like literally one of the world's best and still seeming like they have the perfect balance. I guess that's why those people are essentially unicorns. You know, there's, I don't think there's, there's that many of them. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we can't we can't end this podcast without talking about some kind of strength and conditioning uh because that is would you say that that's your expertise? Definitely. Yeah. If there's if there's something that I'm comfortable talking about 
professionally, it's definitely like physical preparation for sports or life for definite. It's what my degree is in. It's what all my my reading is in, my work is in. So uh, with your work one-on-one with people where you can see their actual change physically and mentally, have you seen a correlation between, okay, this person, this golfer, this pro golfer, whoever improved their fitness level or, or swing speed, and it had a clear effect on their mind, on their confidence, on their psychology? Have, have you been able to witness something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that there's, there's two, two examples that I can speak of. So one of them is Mackenzie Hughes. Um, he, I, I shared the video recently, but he won the Sanderson's Farms Championship. Uh, I think it was in August last year. And that was a week where he essentially committed to forcing himself to make a longer backswing, which for him is key for increasing his speed. And for that allowed him to carry a couple of bunkers on, on corners that he wouldn't be able to do otherwise, um, which obviously gives him confidence that he has the ability to, to attack those holes and, and maybe make birdies. Um, there's another player that I work with on the PGA Tour, and we started working together about a year and a half ago, or just, just over a year ago, actually. And his his speed and his strokes end off the tee have improved hugely. And when I'm checking in with him on his speed and how things are going, like he he takes the the results of his speed training sessions, like session to session, pretty seriously. Like not not crazy, but like he's a bit annoyed when they don't go as well as he'd like, and he's super happy when they go great. And like he's literally said in a in a text message, when my speeds are high, I feel way more confident about my whole game because he feels like essentially like he's functioning well, things are going nicely, and it gives him a, a bigger potential for for a higher finish in the tournament, you know. Um like I, I don't think anybody likes feeling like they're underperforming physically, you know. Um like obviously. There's huge variables in golf and, you know, just training isn't guaranteed to help you. But if people are feeling better physically, I think it can only be a positive, you know, whether it's like their body image, um, Mm -hmm. literally just how they feel in terms of energy and aches and pains. And if they feel like, man, like I'm absolutely like crushing the ball these last few days, I think that that does have positive ramifications for definite. Have you seen it for yourself? Um, it doesn't sound like you lack for confidence or for fitness and strength, but have you, have you seen a little bit of that translating to your, your confidence in your own game? Yeah, definitely. Like I think, I think one of the things that I feel most comfortable with in terms of being in good physical condition is like, I f- feel like that my physical conditioning is way above my overall skill level. And the kind of goal or the hope is that 
I'm going to be able to maintain this level of physical conditioning for multiple decades. And that gives me an awful long time to work on the skill level and have a catch up. Whereas I think a lot of golfers fall into like the opposite balance there in that as they start to get a little bit older, their physical status is definitely declining, which has a knock-on a negative knock-on effect to their golf game. So even though they don't feel like their skill level is declining, it actually is because speed is going to have a huge effect on your skill level. Because if you're 20 yards further back from the hole, and now you need to use an extra club or two clubs on each approach shot, even though you might still be able to match up, you know, the same face and path and hit the ball in the center of the face and have the correct low point and all, all that, it's just going to be way, way harder. Like that's kind of what we see, like say champions tour versus regular tour or whatever. Um, so that that's definitely something that I, I feel very confident about in terms of like how physical conditioning helps my game. Um, and the other thing is like, I often think if, like if I if I wasn't, you know, say above average in say distance, where would my like if I if I was let's say the average driving distance of let's say a scratch handicap, what would my handicap be? Like is the rest of my game good enough to still play at the same level? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like um otherwise mm-hmm. i'd probably be better right now right uh so yeah that's that's something like that i i definitely mm. see it as beneficial for sure you know it's like it just it it makes things easier you know like without without ever really needing to think or try like my clubhead speed is at say pga tour average so that's definitely kind of a trump card you have when you're not playing on the pga tour and you're just playing on local golf courses it obviously doesn't, you know, guarantee anything. I still get whooped regularly by people who are much shorter, but I'm gl- I'm still very glad that I'm not shorter than I am. You know what I mean? Like, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're one of the things that you um, would have self proclaimed. Say, I'm I'm really good at creating good workout plans, and I can attest mm-hmm. to that. I've I've used Fit for Golf. It's it's awesome. Uh, I I um, I'm I'm interested in if you could plan someone's not just workout plan but golf plan what would you have them do if if um with and obviously that's way too broad everyone has individual desires goals time whatever but if you if you could cast a broad net and say if you're looking to get as good as you could because you have you've seen incredible improvement over short periods of time if you could uh, if, if you wanted to get as good as possible, this is what I would suggest that you do. What would you say? Treat your golf game like it was your business. So dig into what's actually going on here. So like what scores am I shooting or, or what is my handicap? Work backwards from there. Like why am I shooting these scores? Like what's that, what's happening with the different parts of the game? Like I think the strokes gained metrics that you can get from multiple apps make that really, really simple. Uh, golf metrics, the one that Mark Brody created is my favorite one. It's the quickest, fastest one to use. 
doesn't require any editing post round. At least then you have information. It's like, okay, I'm shooting these scores and these elements of my game are how it's adding up, basically. Because if you're a 10 handicap, you might be very different to another 10 handicap in terms of what's holding you back. And we basically know that there's going to be a limit on how much you can get better in each department. Like if you're a 10 handicap and you're tracking your your uh, results and you see that you're losing one stroke per round around the greens to a scratch and you're losing half a stroke per round on the greens, you're probably not going to milk much more out of that. You know, you could end up putting in loads of time on it and getting very little in return because it's already quite good. But if you're hitting two balls per round out of bounds and, you know, maybe like chunking a couple of iron shots and it's like, oh, you're losing like six or seven strokes from tee to green versus a scratch. Well, that's probably where the tie needs to be. And that could be the opposite too. You could you could be a great ball striker and terrible on and around the greens. But unless you have that information, you're kind of guessing a little bit. And then from there, I would just look into, well, how much time do I have and what can I do with this time to improve on the areas where I have most room to improve? Depending on the person, they may be able to improve on those things just by having that awareness. It's like, oh, I actually need to reallocate my practice time because I'm, I'm better at this department than I thought I was. Uh, and that will be enough. A lot of people will probably need or would benefit from instruction on that area. Like, let an expert guide you. Like, why do you struggle in this department? And then run that plan for a while and reassess. Um, that's that's it in a nutshell, basically. Like, is if you try and think about it like a business, it's like, well, how is the business doing? Um, why? What can I adjust? You know what I mean? Like, wh- why is the business not doing well? Are, is my income really bad or are my expenses too high? Well, which one are we going to work on, you know? Um, yeah, and then essentially over time, try and reflect and think, like, is is this going in the right direction? Is my plan working? If so, great. Keep going with it. Like, let's, let's keep doing that. Um, if the plan isn't working why not what are what are potentials things i can change you know um but what happens with most golfers and again if they're just playing because they enjoy walking around for four hours with their friends it's absolutely perfect but most golfers games just never change they just they shoot the same score range with the same type of game for years and years on end um and unless you know they come up with some sort of you know, manipulation of of the variables. That's what's going to keep happening until their physical uh, status starts to decline, and then the game will change. Um, but it will just be probably like a smaller version of what the game used to be for them. But that's that's basically it, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's about as simple as I can make it. Yeah, and and as broadly applicable as you can make it. So on that um, game physical. Uh, decline that you're talking about, what would you have them do for that? So I think the easiest way to look at maintaining a really high level of physical function as you age is look at the differences between elderly people who have lost physical function and look at people who are in great physical function and basically just try and 
like merge or backtrack from, well, what has declined? And it's it's it ends up being pretty simple, like everything has declined. But we can we can put that into a few kind of key categories that if you work on them, you're gonna do about as well as you can in avoiding that. So if we look at let's say somebody who's in, you know, like peak of their powers versus somebody who's not. Has their mobility declined? Yes, definitely. Let's make sure we're staying on top of our mobility. What about strength and muscle mass? Yes, of course. So are we ticking that box? What are we doing for our resistance training? Uh, What about cardiovascular fitness? Like, are my heart and lungs as powerful as they used to be? No, because I'm not stressing them. I don't do anything that gets me out of breath for prolonged periods of time. Okay, let's do a little bit of that. And then... Am I doing anything that's explosive and fast in nature? No, I haven't done that since I played baseball in high school. Well, that was 50 years ago. So of course you've declined in that, you know? And it's it's literally like, I would say those are like the, the four big things. It's like mobility, strength and muscle mass, cardiovascular fitness, and something that's fast and explosive. And for most golfers, to be honest, I just do that with like speed training, like swing something fast against the radar you can do it in the gym too with things like like jumps and med ball throws and stuff like that but they're not super important compared to staying on top of range of motion make sure that you're stressing your muscles with some resistance training make sure that you're stressing your heart and lungs with some cardiovascular dominant training and then make sure you're doing something that's like faster and more explosive in nature and that can sound like that's a lot. How do I fit all this in? And it actually works quite nicely. And this is what I try and do with pretty much everybody, regardless of their fitness level. You just scale it to suit them. Is you can cover your mobility, your fast and explosive stuff, and your strength and muscle mass stuff all in one workout really easily. And it works quite nicely because a warm up is a essentially a chance to work on your mobility you just do some easy exercises that are bringing your joints through a nice big range of motion getting them warmed up loosening the muscles out perfect so that's pretty nice way to get mobility taken care of then i do some fast and explosive type training uh, which is actually a really nice way to finish a warm-up and get you ready to lift heavy weights so an example might be like uh, some vertical jumps or, or explosive kettlebell swings for people who don't like jumping because of knee or any lower limb injury basically maybe some sort of like medicine ball throwing or slamming or explosive push-ups or explosive band work for the trunk and upper body that can literally be like two or three sets of five or six reps on each done in like three or four minutes and then do something that's reasonably challenged in terms of resistance training and what's kind of interesting about resistance training is in the last couple of years uh there's been loads and loads of research that has come out showing very similar benefits in terms of strength and muscle mass across a wide rep range and what that means essentially is that we have choices in regards to how heavy or how light we lift to get really similar benefits in terms of muscle mass and muscle strength um so whether you you know, want to lift something reasonably heavy for like five or six reps and being pretty close to failure, or you want to lift something for 25 reps that's obviously going to be much lighter and bring you close to failure, 
you're going to get reasonably similar benefits from both of those sets as long as you bring them very, very close to muscular failure, i.e. at the end of the set, you might have been able to do one or two more if your life depended on it, but no more. Now, it's not the exact same, but for the people listening to this who aren't going competing in a strength sport um, and have, you know, maybe like injuries that they're like, there's no way I'm lifting something that I can only lift five times. It just, it feels like it's too much. And it also takes a long time to warm up for those. Like there's just, it's nice that we have options. Um, So that's three of them covered. Like that can be done in like a 15 to 30 minute workout. No problem, depending on your time and experience level. Do some mobility in your warm-up, then do something fast and explosive, then do something that really challenges your muscles. And there's basically five movements that I would say to focus on. Some type of squat movement where your knees are bending a lot, that's going to take care of your quads. Some type of hinge movement where you're bending over, so like a, a deadlift or RDL or something like that, where you're flexing over, that's going to take care of a lot of the hamstrings, the glutes in your back. Some sort of loaded rotation, especially as golfers, like some sort of twist against resistance. Cable pulleys or bands make that really simple. And then with the upper body, you essentially want to do some things where you're pushing weights away from you, whether that's like straight out in front, like a bench press or push up or chest press. Um, and some, some stuff that's overhead, like a shoulder press. And then you're going to do the same thing where you're pulling weights towards like some sort of roll or pull up or lap pull down and then on the days in between that's when you do your quote-unquote cardio something that gets your heart rate up and challenges your heart and lungs for a prolonged period of time so even if you only have like 20 minutes a day just alternate days where one day you think about like muscles in terms of and, and range of motion so mobility power or explosiveness strength one day the next day, do something where it's more heart and lungs and essentially just alternate between them. Anytime you feel like you need a day off, fine, insert one. Uh, there's going to be some variables in terms of how you know much people do in each session, depending on their kind of physical status at the time. But that's that's basically it. Like that's that's essentially how I try and program for pretty much everybody. And like there's it's pretty clear why we need to keep pushing resistance training and like cardiovascular training um, for, for general health and quality of life as we get older. They're definitely like the two ones that you get the most bang for buck from. It's also really nice to know for people that strength training tends to be also really good for flexibility, which is kind of a myth that people, you know, uh, have propagated for a while. Uh, but, but then if if one of our passions is to swing a golf club well, like that move requires definitely a lot of mobility in sort of plane, like our, let's say in types of movements that you're probably not going to improve mobility much in from your strength training, you know, rotating your hips, spine, shoulders, things like that. So you want to do some extra. And um, and then the 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 uh, like isolated speed training stuff on top that makes a big difference if you can do like some swing speed training. But that again doesn't take much time. And to be honest, even if you just do the workout stuff that I talked about, the 
mobility, explosiveness, strength, and you're working on like developing a good golf swing, your speed will probably be pretty good. Like there's tons of people who have never done speed training and have really good speed because they're in good physical condition and they have a great swing. Yeah. Is, I mean, this all sounds fascinating. Is there like a, a an easy accessible place where I could go like an app maybe where I, <laughs> that I could use to, to make this streamlined? Yeah. Perfect. I'll, I'll send the commission check uh, <laughs> oh, after, <good. laughs> after the podcast, Josh, but yeah, that that's honestly like kind of what the drive. Well, one of the driving forces, the other one was income behind the fit for golf app was um, like I'd spent years training regular people in person and having the same conversations day in and day out. And I was like, all these people need the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like there is literally no rocket science or anything complicated about what these people need to be doing. Like they just need to do it mm-hmm. is the problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. Like I spend all this time <clears throat> educating myself and digging into research and reading all this stuff about like intricate adaptations in our physiology to different types of exercise, which is cool for definite. And then you work with people and it's like, they don't exercise. Like none of this matters, you know, right. like one on one level, right? right? Yeah. It's basic. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why the fit for golf app, uh, I think has been successful as I just try and make it kind of really simple for people just follow this and you're ticking all the boxes that you need basically um yeah so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what i would say the um the app is going through a big overhaul at the moment as well uh people I saw that. follow on twitter have probably seen some stuff but i'm actually in the middle of having a brand new built from scratch custom app developed um basically so that I can have the user interface, the features and the presentation of everything exactly how I would like it. The current app uh, is it's built on something, right? It's, it's built on the back end of a different program. Yeah. So, so basically like the company that I use at the moment, they service, I think tens of thousands of different trainers who want to have an app available for their clients. So I'm essentially renting the template of an app from them which has some benefits um mainly that it's really cheap and mm-hmm. they have a huge team that keep the the back the app running uh properly basically but it's limiting in that i i can't edit any of the features to reflect things uh to be the way that i would like and most people who use that app are training people in person and it's all they're they're making like custom plans for like Josh. It's like Josh, here are your three workouts for the next month. Follow those, and then I'll change them. But I'm trying to have like a basically self service library for tens of thousands of people to follow. Mm-hmm. So it just has a little bit of um, I don't know what the word is. Basically, some limitations in Limitation. terms of what I'm trying to do. But mm. yeah, so that's that's kind of very exciting at the moment, and I'm hoping that that will be released by the end of the year and i think Great. that will uh yeah be a be, be a big upgrade for anyone who has used the current app and it will definitely be like unbelievably simple for anyone who wants to as i said like tick all their boxes with fitness especially if they want to have um some 
are sort of try and maximize the transfer to golf that they're getting from the things they need to be doing for general health and fitness anyway, I think it's going to be, be really good. Awesome. That's exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's, um, it'll be relieving once it's done, but, uh, definitely worthy. Cause I, 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 I've been following you and seeing kind of your frustration of, Hey, everyone go leave feedback so that we can change this thing. And yeah, yeah. And that would, that would be frustrating as the thing that you're trying to run. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things, you know, um, like I, I got six years out of the platform that I'm currently using and um, like, which has been great. It's like, everything still works. You can still, you can still, you know, get what you're looking for. It's just not quite as streamlined as I would like, but like really common feedback has been like the content is excellent, but the app doesn't match the level of the content. If you get me, um, mm. Sure. So basically just trying to get those on, on par. And I think that will make a big difference. So good. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So we've, we've gone on a crazy journey uh, uh, during this episode of kind of um, big picture perspective stuff down to the nitty gritty of strength and conditioning specifics and how it can translate to your, your confidence. So based on all of that, what would you name this episode? Oh, um, I guess that's my job, but I'm asking you to do my job. I, I don't know. I guess, I don't know, maybe like Mike's philosophy on, on, on golf and on Mike's philosophy on training for golf and life, maybe. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that's probably, probably covers what we talked about, you know. I love that. Okay. Well, um, this has been awesome. I'm in, inside the mind of a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, inside the mind of an extremely balanced, self-aware person would be more accurate. So um, if, if people want to go find Mike, it seems like the best way is Twitter, right? Yeah. 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 Fit for Golf on Twitter um, with some underscores in there. Just just search for Fit for Golf and you'll find him. Um, I've... I've it's crazy for those listening that I get to talk to him because I, um, I feel like I spend all day looking at him and looking what he, <laughs> watching him work out basically. So it's it's pretty cool to get to talk to him. Um, so I hope I hope this was insightful for for the listener. Um, but I really appreciate it, Mike. This is it's been an honor for me to get to talk to you. My pleasure. Thanks, Josh. Um, always happy to talk training and golf, except for at parties. yeah leave it leave it behind i'm just here to have a good time yeah (laughs) that's good all right everyone hope you enjoyed that conversation with mike i really love the things that mike was saying about how much having good physical fitness can travel can uh, transfer directly to your confidence i've experienced this my this myself uh, so i fully agree back when i uh, was at the height of my golf game and I was on my way to um, finishing runner up in the US Mid Am. I was going to the gym three, four, five times a week and no, that's not relatable or possible for everyone. I can't do that um, ever anymore. But the, the principle that can apply to you is 
I was seeing myself get stronger, feeling myself get stronger. I had more confidence just in my own body. I just felt better. I felt stronger and and I had better endurance. And it translated to higher levels of confidence. Just I was less tired through the round and I was uh, more capable of uh, making swing changes and holding positions in my swing. And things wouldn't break down by the end of the round like they, they would have in the past. So I highly recommend... Uh, getting onto some kind of fitness plan. If you'd like to learn more about Mike uh, and you want to check out his app, Fit for Golf, I can't recommend it highly enough. The links to check out Mike's stuff will be in the show notes of this episode. I'm not paid by Mike. It's not a sponsorship. I just really like what he does and and how he goes about things and what he's created with his app. And and I know he's working on updating it uh, and, and kind of... Um, like basically tearing it down and building it from the ground up all over again to make it better. So get on the train with uh, with Mike and his Fit for Golf app. Uh, the, the link will be in the show notes. And as I always mention at the end of these episodes, what you've heard here isn't therapy. It's meant for information and education purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things that you're going through, I encourage you to talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, if you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds so they can improve their performance on the course. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. All right. Thanks again to everyone listening to this podcast. Whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that we've built, and I appreciate you being part of this community. If you've enjoyed this episode, go subscribe if you haven't already, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I know there's tons of subscribers and significantly fewer reviews, so if you've been a longtime subscriber, I would love it if you went and reviewed the podcast. Uh, and you know, throw a five-star review on there and, and jot down maybe uh, one thing that you learned or one interview that you really loved and something that has stuck with you uh, over the months or years. So go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I would love it if you shared this episode with a friend who just gets tuckered by the end of the round, is always tired, is exhausted, isn't in great shape. I think they could learn something about this uh, uh, from this episode. So send this over to that person. Okay, thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.